You're listening to Keep the Main Thing, the Main Thing podcast. To learn more, visit thepineschurch.com. Welcome everyone to the Pines Church online experience. My name is Matt Joya. I'm the lead pastor here, and I am so excited that you carved out 25, 30 minutes to be with us as we dive into God's Word. For those of you that are joining us for the very first time, we are in the middle of a series on identity. And the way that we kind of opened up this series is that we can't understand who we are, our identity, without understanding who he is, meaning God, because we were created in his image and likeness. So we must go back and understand who God is. And I opened up this series by talking about we must have the right uh, lens. In our society, we've done, uh, we've kind of fallen into this rhythm of microwaving everything down, and we've somewhat intentionally or unintentionally dumbed down God to try to put him in a box. And so as we study scripture, that is the wrong way to approach our relationship with God. You don't even have to study scripture. You probably know that anyway. But the Bible tells us to come to God reverently. It actually says that the lens that we need is the fear of the Lord. And I define that a lot of people get confused. The fear of the Lord isn't to be scared of God because we can't be in an intimate relationship with somebody we're afraid of, but rather that reverential awe. And those are two words we don't hear a lot, but we should have an awe in talking about God. And then we dove into his holiness, the one attribute that's listed above all others that really holds all the attributes. The last word we have in our language to be able to articulate who God is. And holiness literally means to be set apart. It means to be other, meaning that God is outside of science. He's outside of mathematics. He's outside of time. Why? Because God created all these things. So he's in time and he's outside of time. He is other. And it's important for us to be able to understand that because the Bible says that we should pursue holiness without which no one is going to see the Lord. And then last week we dove into righteousness. And you know, the first time we see righteousness mentioned, which is over 540 times in scripture, so the Bible has a lot to say about righteousness, is in regards to Abram. The Bible says that Abram believed God believed the promises that God had over his life, and it was counted to him as righteousness. His righteousness wasn't predicated on what he did or what he didn't do, but simply the foundation of his righteousness was relationship with God. And because he had a relationship with God, he believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, the sons and daughters of God, we are righteous in God. And so we, we dove into that. These are very important things um, to understand because why? So many of us, uh, we find our identity in, in, in what we do. Think about any social gathering, okay? What's the most common question asked? You're at a barbecue, um, you're at a birthday party, you come up to somebody that you kind of know, or maybe you completely have no idea one of the first questions they're going to ask is, what do you do? And people are somewhat comfortable in answering that, but somewhere along the line, they, they begin to find their identity in their craft, in their, in their career. Um, 
And I think people have an easier time answering that, obviously, than, you know, who are you? So can you imagine if you were at a birthday party and some random strangers came up to you and you had a mutual friend? And so you got the names and the pleasantries out of the way. And the person looked at you, they kind of tilted their head and they said, so who are you? Many of us would have a very difficult time answering that question. But if you think about it, that question is even more important than what we do. And so it warrants us seeking, searching, exploring this question as it pertains to ourselves. Who are we? And uh, because often, again, we're, we're left scrambling to a career, our hobby, um, our families, our friends. But I want to make this statement, okay? You can't find out who you are in the presence of people. You can only discover who you are in the presence of God. And God knows how important identity is. And so we're going to be studying, we're going to be reading out of Matthew, if you want to go there in your Bible, because there's this amazing exchange between Jesus, the Son of God, and the Father. And they hone right in on what we're going to be talking about today. So these are God's first words to Jesus Okay, so he's 30 years old. He's getting ready to step into his ministry. He's found John the Baptist in the middle of nowhere. He's asked to be baptized. John the Baptist baptizes him. And we pick up in Matthew 3, 16 through 17. And it says this, when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened up to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, okay? Now, the, it wasn't saying that the Spirit was a dove, is descending like a dove, okay? And it came to rest on him. The Spirit of God came to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven spoke this and said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Think about that very first thing that God says to him. Other translations read it like this. This is my son whom I love in whom I am well pleased. God's first words to Jesus were regarding his identity. Think about this. Jesus hadn't done anything yet, okay? He hadn't accomplished anything yet up to this point in his life. His ministry hadn't begun, but God makes it clear from the very beginning, his father, that he loves him and he's proud of him. And it wasn't predicated on anything that he had accomplished or would accomplish. See, Jesus is, doesn't have to perform in order for his father to be proud of him. And I'm just going to let that one breathe for a little bit as the young people say, like, I think there are some people out there that need to hear that because often we tie our identity to our works. And God, the Father, is making this distinction with Jesus before he had any works that, son, I love you and I am proud of you. That is a father's role to call forth the identity in their children. And so God was stepping forth in that moment of Jesus becoming a man and getting ready to start his ministry that I want to announce to the world that this, Jesus, he is my son. 
I love him. In him, I am well pleased. I take joy in his life. And yet he had not done anything up until that point. Jesus didn't have to earn his love. Rather, he was safe and secure in knowing that he was the father's son and that he already had his love. He didn't have to work for his love. He worked from his love. And the same is true of us. See, the message of the gospel is that by grace, we have been saved by it's God's choice and Jesus' sacrifice. As we believe, we receive his grace, his divine empowerment that takes us beyond our natural ability. And it's not by our works, lest any man should boast. So get that out of your head. Last week, we studied Paul's words. Why are you being so foolish when you started in the spirit and now you're trying to be perfected in the flesh? It has nothing to do with you. But as we behold him, we become more like him. As we fall in love with him, we fall in love with the things he's in love with, and we begin to hate the things that he hates. But if you study, we're still in Matthew's gospel. If you read and you go into the next verse, it says this, not only does God know your identity, but so does the enemy. And he's going to exploit and try to deceive you because that's what he is. He is a liar and he is threatened by. He was threatened by Jesus's identity and he's threatened by your identity. So let's pick up immediately after the passage we just read. Jesus goes into the desert, okay? And he's tempted by Satan for 40 days and 40 nights. Some people read that he was in the desert and fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Then he was tempted. He was tempted the whole time that he was in during those 40 days. But Matthew's gospel records this particular interaction when Satan and Jesus had words. And in Matthew 3, Satan's very first word. So we just studied God's very first words to Jesus. Now we're going to study Satan's very first words to Jesus. And he said this, and the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, then command these stones to become loaves of bread. So just a few verses earlier, here's God the father saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And now Satan is coming to Jesus saying, are you really the son of God? Satan was trying to put doubt and confusion attacking Jesus's identity. He was trying to get Jesus to prove to himself, to get Jesus to rely on himself rather than the father. And that's so important because many of us were looking for our identity within ourselves instead of who God defined us to be. And the enemy is going to try to pinpoint that area. If you go further, you know, the, the devil took him up to the, to the pinnacle, remember? And he showed him the temple and he, he showed him everything. And he said, if you are the son of God, um, throw yourself down. And, and Satan, again, and then, and, you know, your angels will come. He was taking scripture, lest you dash your foot. So again, he's trying to get Jesus to prove. And remember, Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father asking me to do. And so Satan's going after his 
identity. And why am I bringing this up? Because Satan's strategy for Jesus is the same exact strategy that he has for you. He has showed his hand. It is a played out strategy. But if you are ignorant, if you allow yourself to be deceived, you can end up falling into the trap that he's setting for you. The same trap that he tried to set for Jesus. This is why, and this is his plan for everyone, not just you, but for everyone, to deceive them. Why do you think there is such an attack in our culture on identity? Okay, I don't really have to go too much further than that to let you know if you turn on your television, people have no idea who they are and they're trying to define who they are. They're trying to say maybe biologically it says this, but I say I am this. That is the enemy perverting and twisting and deceiving so many the world into a new identity instead of going to scripture and allowing God to define us. So what does God say about us? What is our identity? What is our story? I am going to read a boatload of scriptures to you, okay? And I would encourage you just to write these down, write the references down. We're gonna have them um, on the screen. And if you're listening to this, then write these down. Um, but to study these things out for yourself, to meditate um, on them, because in my experience of being in ministry for over 20 years, I have seen that when believers struggle with depression, anxiety, fear, doubt, when they turn to sin, they are looking for, is because it, it's a result of a splintered identity in Christ. They are running to those things because they believe those things have something to offer them, but all they do is leave you hollow, wanting more. And so when we, identity is so important because when we are, understand our identity in Christ, we realize that sin, the world, the enemy, titles, status, have nothing, riches, have nothing to offer us because Every single one of our needs are met in Christ. So here I go. Are you ready? Number one, Genesis 2-7. I breathed into your nostrils the breath of life. There is the creator who breathed his breath that fills our lungs into us. Genesis 1-27. I created you in my image. We are created in the image and likeness of our creator. Psalm 139, 16, my eyes saw your unformed substance. So before you ever had one molecule, God already saw you. Psalm 139, 16, he penned every moment of your life before a single day had passed. He wrote out your entire story. So he saw you, what you were going to look like, and then he penned out your entire destiny, calling and life. Psalm 139, 13, I knit you together in your mother's womb. I carefully put you together. You weren't made in an assembly line. Okay, I took, I was precise in putting you together. Psalm 139, 14, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Filled with wonder and awe, God says this, the creator says this about his creation. 
This is how God views you. Ephesians 5.30, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Speaking of God, I encourage you to study that scripture out. In Psalm 8.5 and also Genesis 1.26, I have crowned you with glory and honor as the pinnacle and final act of the six days of creation. And on the seventh day, God rested. I love this. I'm going to read that again. And I want to close with this. 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now we are the sons of God. Now, not then, not when, but beloved, now we are the sons and daughters of God. That is a revelation that I am praying would become like a rhema word inside of your spirit, that you would truly be able to find your identity in God. Furthermore, God says this about you in 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. But you are the chosen ones by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, a set-apart people, God's instruments to do his work and to speak out for him. You carry a message to tell others of the night and day difference that he has made for you. The book of Revelation says that they overcame the enemy by the blood of the lamb, Jesus's blood, and the word of their testimony. We are to share our testimony. We are to share the things that God has shown us and done in us. That he has taken us from something or he has taken us from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Many in the world feel as if they have been rejected. Why? Because the enemy has whispered in their ear. They change their physical appearance. They change what they feed on with their mind, but they continue in a cycle of rejection, when the Bible says that God has accepted you because he has created you and we must repent of our dead works, we must repent of our sin and embrace the truth of his word and find our identity in scripture. See, I wanna say this, that our identity is a journey into seeing ourselves the way that God sees us. It's a journey. It's not a destination. This is something that we will be unpacking every single day of our lives. And that's what makes it exciting that every day that we wake up, we wait in anticipation. We're excited to seek, to search, to explore, to find another facet of God's righteousness and glory that has yet to be revealed that he wants to shine through us in a unique way to the world, pointing people to the Father. This is what our lives were meant to reflect. You know, so much of our walk with Christ, a lot of it is unlearning all the junk and the assumptions that have been fed to us since childhood that we believe about 
ourselves, our world and who we are in him. There's so much, there's so many weeds that have been planted in us and we must be diligent to roll up our sleeves and be willing to get a little dirt under our fingernails to identify those lies, those weeds, and to see if they line up with God's word and if they don't, pluck them out. See, all of us, Okay, everybody just wants to get to the end of something. We just want to get to the destination. But as I shared earlier, it's a journey. Okay, we are constantly in this world going to be living in the tension of who we are right now and who we are becoming. That is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, Listen to this. Now we see things imperfectly. So we, we can't see things perfectly. It's like a puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But every day is becoming more complete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. Just as God knows me completely. Your identity is found in the presence of God, not people. Because he is the only one that knows you completely. The Bible says that we are in a process of being perfected. None of us are perfect, okay? We will only be perfect upon the Lord's return. But I wanna share this with you. The Bible also says that he who has begun a good work is faithful to complete it. You're not done. Some of the things in your life are being unmade. God is getting those things out, but you're in the process of who you are and who you are becoming. And each day, God and the Holy Spirit is willing to work with you to pluck out those lies that have been fed to you by teachers, by media, by friends, okay? And point your attention to God's word, the truth about what he says you are and who you are. I want to invite all of you to lean into this mystery, to lean into this journey, to have grace and extend mercy to yourself that you don't have it all figured out right now. And that's okay. Don't try to put God in a box, but I say that very often, but don't put yourself inside of a box. Understand that God is revealing your true identity to you day by day by day. You are maturing in the faith, pointing people to Christ. It's an amazing journey. It's the best journey that you could possibly be on. And so I champion you. I challenge you to run to God's word, to, to study out these scriptures, to meditate on them. That's not a word we use very often. You don't, you don't have to sit crisscross applesauce and open up your third eye. It, it's literally meditation is the digestive system of the soul. It's moving beyond simply reading something and retaining the knowledge inside of your head. It's allowing it to sink from your head into your heart. And when it sinks into your heart, 
it changes that reflection that you see in the mirror staring back at you. Why? Because you now have God's eyes instead of your own. You're now leaning on his understanding instead of your own. And you begin to see your true identity in Christ. I want to pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the amazing opportunity to be able to share these scriptures. I pray, Father, that you have uh, you've lit up the right ones, that certain scriptures hit in a different way, that they resonated, and that you would grace them to be able to study and to search, to explore, to investigate these truths out for themselves. And God, I pray that they would wrestle with them. I pray that they would bring them to you, but I pray and ask that these truths would settle inside of their heart and they would begin to see themselves the way that you see them, that they would understand and have an awareness of the importance of being able to know their identity in you. Lord, I thank you for meeting them wherever they're at. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for spending the last 20 minutes and change with us. I hope that you got something out of this. Until next time, Godspeed. Thank you so much for listening to Keep the Main Thing, The Main Thing, a sermon resource provided by the Pines Church in Bangor, Maine. We'd love to hear from you, so leave us a review on this podcast. If you have any questions, visit thepineschurch.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.